listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Okay, so tonight I'm going to be uh, talking about, on on the XO, we're talking about relationships throughout this month. And we're trying to do it in such a way, um, you know, it's very important, obviously, that we stress the importance of good, healthy relationships. And it's very easy for people uh, to check out a little bit sometimes in February, uh, either if you're in a relationship which is not going particularly well right now, or if you're not even in a relationship right now, the whole Valentine's thing and the love thing can uh, seem very detached from you. But we really do make an effort to stress to, to, to each and every one of you that, you know, yes, Valentine's is about the lovey-dovey stuff, but it's wor- about far love is about far more than that. So Valentine's Day might just be about that. But love itself is about far more than that. And love should be present in every one of our relationships. Every one of our relationships to some degree or another. It might sound a bit weird, you know, but I can say confidently, standing here, with my hand on my heart, I can say, you know, I love Robert. I love Robert. Thank you, mate. Now, before we have a moment... I mean, you know, I mean, we, we, we love each other and there's nothing wrong with that. It's healthy to love people. Friendship should involve love to some degree or another. So this month has been about love. It's been about relationships and it's been about uh, different styles and different types of relationships. And we always try and give you practical pointers and practical tips. Always. Because this Bible is not just a bunch of words. It's not just a bunch of scriptures for us to learn and just to meditate and just to be able to say out loud and to memorize. What it is, is a living word. It's here and it's supposed to change your life. And it will if you allow it to do so. So tonight I'm going to be looking at relationships as regards parenting. I'm going to be looking at parenting, guides to parenting. And I'm, I'm more a teacher than a preacher. If you don't know me by now, then let me tell you, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. Uh, this is very much a teaching message tonight. I really recommend that you take notes this evening. Um, I really do, um, because there's a lot of information that's going to come at you tonight. And I want to tell you this. If you're not a parent, I don't want you to switch off. Because if you are not a parent, then you may be a parent in the future. If you are not a parent now, then you will know of you will know parents. You may be, you may have nieces and nephews. You may have regular access to grandkids. You may have regular access to other children in your neighbourhood. But this is all applies to our relationship with children. Yes, there are some specifics for parents. Okay, but I don't want you to switch off if you're not a parent yourself. Okay, so we're going to go into some pure teaching, as I said, and looking specifically at tips on parenting and how to deal with children. And I'm not, I'm not even going to say to you, I hope that it's going to be of some use to you. I can guarantee it's going to be of some use to some people in this room. 
Okay, and I'm not telling you that because that's nothing to do with me. And this, a lot of this material and everything is here is not Pete Moore's guide to parenting. Okay, it's a lot of stuff here that I've gleaned and I've learned and I've studied myself, and that I'm actually trying to apply into my life as well. So let's pray before we dive into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you. As always, I pray, Lord God, that you would use me. I pray every word from my mouth this evening is yours and not mine. And I pray, Lord, that hearts would be open, minds would be open, spirits would be open tonight, Father God, and people would leave here changed. I pray, Lord, that there would be something tonight somebody can hold on to, apply to their lives, and it would improve their lives, Father God. I pray that nobody leaves here the same as they arrived. And we thank you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, so I'm going to be coming from a place where, if you are a parent, you need help. That's the place I'm coming from. I could be missing the point with you, and if you are sitting here and you have got perfect children, and you never have a single issue with them, and you wake up every morning and they bring you a nice coffee in bed, and they're all dressed ready for school, and they say, don't bother taking me to school, I've arranged a lift, uh, I've already cooked you uh, your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner, it's all in the, in the kitchen, which I cleaned, uh, by the way, um, and if you could be so kind as to you know, go in and feed the hamster, you'll have no problem, you won't trip over anything in my bedroom, because everything is immaculate. If you are that parent, leave, because we all hate you. We all hate you. Go. All right, so I'm assuming nobody is in that situation. All right, so I I believe, as I said, 100% of parents in here will be able to get something from this message tonight, okay? So there's going to be some home truths. I'm going to be not brutal, but I'm not going to be too gentle either with some of the things that I'm delivering to you, and I make no apology for that. Because I believe that we should, I, I personally enjoy having my toes stepped on. If I'm out of line, if I'm out of God's will, if there's something that I could be doing better, then please, and I'm giving you, gen, genuinely, I give you carte blanche. Anytime you see me out of line, I give you my permission and my blessing to pull me to one side and set me straight. Because I want nothing more than to be living in God's will. I want nothing more than to be living the best I can be. I want to be the best version of me that I can be. And if you're the same and you have the same heart and same desire, then I'll tell you this, you're going to need to change. And if you're going to need to change, sometimes you're going to need to have things pointed out to you that you're not even aware of. And again, everything that comes from my mouth tonight is said with love. But there are going to be some things that I'm going to be putting out there uh, which might make you wince a little. I hope they do. I hope they do. First thing is this. The emotional temperature in your house as regards your relationship with your kids is your responsibility. Your relationship with your children is your responsibility. It's not your kids' responsibility. They have responsibilities, and I'm going to come to that. But the emotional atmosphere, the temperature in our homes is our responsibility. And it's one that we should take really really seriously because the atmosphere, the environment, the emotional temperature, as I said, in our homes is key because that will set the tone for everything else that goes on in our house. Every conversation that takes place, every instruction that takes place, every falling out that takes place, every argument, every disagreement, all of those things will be affected by the emotional temperature in our home. Let me set out something else right at the outset of this message. Parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. I say that as an encouragement so that you know 
If you're going through it and you're feeling like it's hard, you're not the only parent that's feeling like it's hard. Parenting is hard. It's incredibly frustrating. Sometimes it's really upsetting. It can be disconcerting and, God only knows, it can be completely confusing as a parent. So sometimes the atmosphere in our home can get crazy. Okay, am I right? Good, it's not just my home. Sometimes it can get crazy, the atmosphere in our home. I'm going to show you this. This is what's called the crazy cycle. And anybody who's been attending the marriage for life will know the crazy cycle because of how it applies to a husband and a wife. And how, you know, and, and Pastor Phillips touched on this as well during the course of this month, how a, a man who is treated without respect will then tend to, t- to turn and treat his wife without love. And then because he's treated his wife without love, his wife will then treat the man without respect. There is a, same, a similar cycle as it pertains to children as well. Here's how it, things go with your kids. If you treat a child without love, that child will react without respect. And if a child reacts to you without respect, then the natural thing for us to do is to react to that child without love. And if we react to the child without love, what does the child do? Reacts to us without respect. And it's a cycle that goes round and round and round. It's called the crazy cycle. And we need to learn pretty sharpish how to get off that cycle fast. Because the, the reality is we're likely to get on the cycle every now and again. But that's not a bad thing if we recognize when we're on it and if we have the heart and desire to get off it as fast as we can. If you treat your kids without love, they will treat you disrespectfully. That's just how it is. That's the the cause and effect. Now, children do not wake up every morning thinking and dreaming up the best possible way to drive you crazy as a parent. I mean, you might not believe that. That might be the first time you've you've looked at me and thought, you are lying. Okay, but that's the truth. They don't wake up and plan it. Sometimes they do it just so naturally. It just seems like they've spent weeks scheming. Am I right? But the reality is they don't wake up and plan just to make your life completely miserable. But it will happen sometimes. They will drive you completely bonkers. That's just what kids will do sometimes. But it's our responsibility to react and respond to them in the best possible way. In fact, to respond to them is the key word there. We respond to them. We don't react to them. We respond to them instead. We need to love them. And we need to love them. And then when we're done loving them, we need to love them. And we need to love them because why? Because they need it. They need to be loved. Children need to be loved. They need to be loved. They don't always deserve, we feel like they don't deserve to be loved. And quite, quite oftentimes, and it's not just with kids, it's with our friends, it's with our spouses. You know, we can use emotions as a reward. It's easy to love people when they're really nice and they're, and they're treating you well. They're respecting you and they're loving you. It's easy to love them. But you know, when they're not respecting you, when they're not loving you, what are we supposed to do? Love them. Love them anyway. When we're on this cycle... When we are not loving them because they're not respecting us. And because we're not respecting them, they're not loving us. When we're on this cycle and we're spinning and we're spinning and we're spinning and we're spinning. You know what you need to do as the parent is be mature and stop it. And get off. Get off the cycle. Now that's going to look differently for you in your home than it does for me in my home. But the general general thing will be for you as the adult, as the parent, 
to make the mature step and stop it, however best way it is to stop it, because kids will react differently to different things, and you're going to react differently to different things. When you're disrespected, you may well act differently to when I'm disrespected. And when your child is unloved, they may react differently to how my children are when they're unloved. So you have to come up with the best possible way to get off that cycle as fast as possible. But you have to find the best possible way to get off that cycle as fast as possible. When things are going crazy, we shouldn't be looking at things or people to point at. We need to look within ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what, what just happened there? Now, it might not be a you thing. It might have been a them thing. But they're the child, you're the parent, so we need to do the mature thing. And we need to get ourselves off of that cycle. So I'm going to look at some practical ways right now of not just how to get off the cycle, but how to not get on the cycle in the first place, which is obviously the ideal scenario. That crazy cycle is a great thing to recognize. But if you're on it and you recognize being on it, that's a great thing because you know how to get off it. But it's also a great thing to recognize because you know it's already gotten too far. And then you can, as I said, turn away from it. So here's some, some, some key points. We're going to look at guides, G-U-I-D-E-S, G-U-I-D-E-S, guides. I'm going to give you a different uh, topic on each of those letters. We're going to look at those in detail and break it down. So as I said, if, you do, if you're not taking notes, I encourage you to do so. So G, give. Give. Not too little, not too much. Not too little, but not too much. We are to give our children what they need. All of what they need and some of what they want. Our responsibility is not to give them everything that they want. In fact, our responsibility is to not give them everything that they want. We need to get that balance right. Our starting point is this. We need to cater for their basic needs of love, food, care and shelter. We, are, we, we have to give, that's our responsibilities, to give our children those things. We must give those things to our children. Look at this part of scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, 14. After all, children don't provide for their parents, rather parents provide for their children. Now, providing is providing love, shelter, food. It's not necessarily providing the new pair of Nikes the latest PlayStation. It's not necessarily... Now, I'm not saying don't give your kids anything. But what I'm saying to you is this. Get the balance right. Giving is a fundamental requirement of, on our lives as Christians. It's something that's expected of us. It's something that was, we're hardwired to do. Okay, And that doesn't apply exclusively to parents, but definitely as parents we are to give, given it's one of the key characteristics of God. And Jesus actually uses the comparison of parents to show how much of a giver God is. In Luke chapter 11, 11, 12 says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying there, look, God's a giver. God wants to give you. And he's talking there about the Holy Spirit, which is a completely different message. But it's the, the, the biggest gift that we can receive. God wants to give us that because we're asking for it. So he's making the point and the analogy, and he's making those comparisons. He's saying, as a parent, you know, if your kid comes to you and asks you for one thing, 
you're not going to give him something completely different. You're going to do what you can to give him what it is that he's asking for. Now, we are to give to our kids, and hopefully you have a desire to do that. There's nothing wrong with having a desire to give to your children, to provide for them. We have an obligation to provide for our children, and we shouldn't shirk that responsibility. In fact, again, there are so many biblical principles that, are, that, that parenting are based on. Paul writes this to, uh, in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.8. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that doesn't come much harder than that. If you don't provide for the people in your family, you are worse than an unbeliever. How powerful is that? It tells us that that's our obligation. We are called to provide for our children. And I pray that each and every one of you, as I said, has a heartfelt desire for that. But we can't give too much. Proverbs twenty-five sixteen. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. Give to all needs and some wants. Not the other way around. Easy parenting is to do the opposite. It's to give them everything that they want and some of what they need. That's easy. That's the way, that's our default sometimes. That's the easy way out. We try and buy their love sometimes, excuse our neglect of other areas of their lives. And again, I'm talking tough. I'm talking tough. But sometimes it's easy to do that. It's easy to give them what they want to pacify them. And to excuse us because we're not actually giving them what it is that they need. We can't expect a relationship to be built on stuff. We can't. We can't. Now get this. Saying no is also loving. That's also loving your kids. In fact, it's an important requirement. If you yes your child to death, that's not love. The way that they need to be loved. They have to hear the word no. For so many different reasons. It teaches them delayed gratification, which is key and it's important. Because if you say yes to your child every time they ask you for something, it gives them not just a room full of stuff, it gives them a complete sense of entitlement. And that sense of entitlement is unhealthy. It's dangerous. And that's, again, I'm not going to go off on that one. But entitlement is is a key factor in the way that people will act towards other people in a job environment, in the work environment, in the college environment, in the school environment, in a church environment. Entitlement is something which is bred and it's nourished by the parent saying yes to every single thing that that child asks for. So be aware. Now, there isn't a strict formula with this. There's no actual right or wrong. There's not a certain percentage. You know, I'm not going to say to you, you know, every fifth time your child asks you for something, say no. Not the fourth or the sixth, the fifth. There isn't an actual formula like that, but we just have to be sensitive to it. We have to be aware of it. But here's the thing. We need to pray. We need to ask for guidance. You know, if, if the kids come to me and ask me for something, particularly if it's something large or something like that, then I will genuinely pray. I will pray about it. I will pray and I will ask for guidance about it. Any big decision or choice that has to be made in our house, we pray about it. We pray about it as a family. We, we pray about these things and we ask for guidance because we're not supposed to know all the answers. God knows all the answers. And we have to do a lot of times, we have to make choices and decisions which are not easy. 
And we have to make those choices and decisions. And the best way that we can make those is under guidance from the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we're going to do that is by asking him for advice and asking him for guidance. And you know what? If your child comes to you and asks for you something major and something mega and something that they're really excited about, you know what? They can wait a day for a decision. And I've I've said this before to my kids. I've said this to Kobe before. I said to him, you're, you're asking me for this. And you know how they are. They come and they, just, they don't ask you once. It's like you feel like Groundhog Day. It's just, isn't it? It's, it's, it and so I've actually said to him on more than one occasion, I've said to him, look, you, you're pestering me. You, 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 I, understand, I admire your, your, your persistence, your tenacity. I, I think it's awesome, Kobe. I really do. It's, it's great. It's, it's an admirable, quali- admirable quality in some circumstances. And you're obviously keen for an answer. Let me tell you, I can give you an answer now, and it will be no. Or I can give you an answer tomorrow, and it might be yes. And it's like, see ya. <laughs> we have to, we, there's nothing wrong with delaying a decision. Because then, if it's a no tomorrow, he's going to take it better because he knows that it's not just you that's made that in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment. If I go to Kobe and I say, start any conversation with, Kobe, I've prayed about this. You know how many times he argues with the response? Nil. What's he going to say to me? Well, I think God's wrong. That's not going to happen. Now, I'm not saying use that and manipulate that, but what I am saying is, is the people in, our, in, in my house know that every decision that I make, every major decision is a godly decision, then they can put their faith, not just in God, but in me as well. And that's what your kids need to be able to do. Your kids need to be able to put their faith in you. And they need to be able to put their faith in God also. Which is why, when you are giving, and you are giving to them, they need to be growing up and understanding and knowing that everything that they get, it's not from you. It's from God. Everything. It takes the pressure off of you. It makes them really appreciative of who God is in our lives. Because every good thing comes from God. Elijah is three and a half years of age, and he'll tell you that. He will tell you that. Now, I'm not saying to you that he has an in-depth and detailed relationship with Jesus Christ. No. But he, there are triggers. He knows. Molly had a, a, a crazy headache this morning. He walked up to a lady's, ha- lady's hands on her head and started praying for her. Now, it's awesome. I mean, I'm choking up at the thought of it. And I'm not saying he's anything special, but what I'm telling you is it's the environment that they're growing up in. They know where all good things come from. They know where healing comes from. They know where you know, the, the food on our table comes from. It's important. So we are to give, but we are to give in the right way. And if we're training them and teaching them that everything comes from God and not from us, then you're not going to give them a better lesson than that. Amen? Okay, you. Let's look at you. Understand. Understand. Put yourself in their shoes. Understand. Empathize. Now, I'm speaking to you from experience here. It's sometimes hard to remember the fact that our kids are actually growing up. Okay, what do I I mean by that? When I look at Kobe, I came into Kobe's life when he was four years of age. And he's now 14. So, he was almost five, right? So, for the last nine years, I've been in his life. And 
when I first came over to, to America, I was, I was madly in love with God. I was madly in love with Molly. I was madly in love with life. I mean, ev- I was in a new country. Everything was super exciting. It was just awesome. And I remember lots of moments in that first few months that I was over here. And one of them was on July 4th, on my first ever July 4th in the United States of America. I hadn't quite at that point grasped how ironic it was that a Brit is celebrating uh, July 4th. Um, but hey, there you go. I'd blown it. So I had my um, Stars and Stripes t-shirt on. I was down on the Capitol um, with, on the steps watching the fireworks. And Kobe just bust his leg. So he's on my shoulders with a, with a cast on. And I have a photograph of me with Kobe on, on my shoulders, Molly next to me. And it's just, a, it's just one of those, you know, heart moments. What can I tell you? But when I look at Kobe now, oftentimes I actually, I actually see that kid. You know what I'm saying? So what does that, what does that all matter? What does that, what does that mean? Well, it means this. When he comes to me with a 14-year-old problem, I can't look at him like a 4-year-old. I can't talk to him like a 4-year-old. I see him as a 4-year-old. Am I making any sense? You see your kids, and you see your kids as the babies that they were, as the little cute little things that they were. The first, first time I ever saw Kobe was on video link when I, was, when I was speaking with Molly. The first time I actually saw her on video, Kobe was in the background in the living room playing Star Wars on the PlayStation. So I, re- I remember him as that. But now he comes to me with an issue and with a situation. Or he's been, you know, he's done something, his report card isn't quite up to scratch. I can't talk to him and treat him like he's a four-year-old just because in, in my you know, heart-shaped eyes, I see him as that. I have to talk to him as a 14-year-old. I have to express myself to him as a 14-year-old. And, get this, I have to allow him to express himself as a 14-year-old. And that's a massive thing to learn how to do. They have to have the freedom to express themselves for who they are. And I don't just mean the personality type they are. I mean the age that they are. Because I don't know if you can remember being 14. I can't remember being 14. I mean, it was like 312 years ago. So I can't remember being 14. I can remember generally being a teenager. And I can remember how the smallest of things was the end of my life. And now I have to take that into consideration. When Kobe is coming to me genuinely troubled by something which I can look at as a 48-year-old and say and think, and? (laughs) There isn't an end. There isn't isn't a comma. It's a a period. That's it, period. If there was a comma, it would just be, after the comma, it would be, and my life is over, period. (laughs) As a 14-year-old, that's what they're going to express sometimes. And we have to put ourselves in their shoes. We have to think about what it is that they're expressing and trying to say. And we have to understand the fact that it doesn't matter what I think of the size of the issue. What matters is what he thinks of the size of the issue. Now, I have to educate him maybe in how his perception of it is slightly off. And that's a, a delicate situation. It's a fine line to tread. And it's important to do every now and again. But you know, sometimes all a 14-year-old needs to do is to come out of their room, spend five or ten minutes just, my life's over, my life's over, my life's over, and go back in their room again. That's sometimes all a 14-year-old needs to do. And I have to understand that. I do not understand it. 
but I have to understand it. Does that make sense? So we have to treat them for who it is that they are. I have to look at Kobe now and look at him as the young man that he's becoming and realize that at the age of 14, he is facing very real challenges. And I'll be honest with you, he's facing a lot more challenges and a lot worse challenges than I did when I was 14. I'm not, you know, looking back in history through rose-tinted glasses like that, but my life as 14 was a whole lot simpler and more straightforward than his is. A whole lot more. So how do you communicate with kids? How do you communicate with children? How do you establish where that balance is? Because sometimes they just want to be heard, and sometimes they just want to be loved through a situation. You know, it's the same kind of deal as a man and a woman. Very often times, you know, Molly will come to me with a situation and as a man, I tend to be solution orientated. And, you know, in the work that I do, I have to be very solution orientated and in the heat of the moment, very solution orientated. I don't have a lot of time sometimes to think about what the best way to do something is. And so when my wife comes to me with a situation, my default mode is to bang, fixed, champion, when the last thing she wants me to do, perhaps, is actually fix it. And it's the same thing with kids as well. It's not necessarily that they want something to be fixed. So let me just give you a couple of quick pointers. Empathize with people, whoever it is, when they come to you. If you know how they feel, tell them, I know how you feel. Because I maintain, I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times more, I know how you feel is one of the most powerful sentences that you can say to somebody if somebody comes to you with an issue with a challenge if they're heartbroken if they're confused if they're worried if they're concerned and you say to them i know how you feel you're saying a whole lot more than that you're saying you know you're not alone you're saying you know i know you think that you're on your own with this and you're the first person in the history of the human race who's ever gone through the situation but the fact of the matter is that's not the truth i know how you feel let me tell you how I dealt with that. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was in the situation. Let me tell you how it actually turned out when I was as worried as you are. It gives them a point from which you can actually give them encouragement. So again, you've got to stress to them, they're not the only ones to feel the way they feel. Because kids will assume that they're the only person feeling like it. Children won't always talk to each other about things that are really important to them for fear that they're going to get ridiculed or teased or bullied or rejected. So in their own minds, they may be the only person with that situation. And we all know, don't we, as adults, we're sometimes guilty of that, thinking that we're the only person in that situation. But I know a lot of you. I know a lot of your situations. I know a lot of you have the same situations. That's life. And kids are the same. But they need to hear and understand that they are not alone. They are not the only ones. They are not a freak. Okay? Irrespective of the child's age, they are immature and undeveloped. If you are 9, 12, 14, 16, I'll be as bold to say 18, maybe even 20. How old are you, Maddie? Okay, I'll keep it at 18. You, you might think that you know things but you don't necessarily know things. But there's a flip side to that. As parents, we can't assume that the kids know things. We have to, again, speak to them at the, where it is that they are at in life, in their maturity level. 
There are things that I would love to be able to explain to Kobe in an adult fashion because it will, A, be simpler for me to explain, B, it will be a whole lot quicker for me to explain, and C, I think in my 48-year-old brain that it's going to have more positive results. When the truth is, I need to communicate to him not as a 48-year-old communicates with a 48-year-old. I need to communicate with him as a 48-year-old communicates with a 14-year-old. And they're two completely different conversations. We have to get good at speaking to who we are speaking to. Not speaking at who we are speaking to. Does that make sense? Because there's a difference. I can speak at you all night long. But if I'm speaking to you, it's going to have a completely different effect on you. That's how we need to communicate with our kids. I don't want to speak at my kids. I want to speak to my kids. Don't exasperate and frustrate your kids. Now, sometimes you're going to do it without even trying. Sometimes you're going to exasperate and annoy them without even opening your mouth. I don't know how I've done it and been able to do it, but I can even irritate people when I'm asleep. It's amazing. But don't deliberately exasperate them. Do all you can do to not exasperate, to not annoy, to not frustrate and it's hard sometimes, especially if you're on this crazy cycle and you're, yourself, you're frustrated. It's hard sometimes not to frustrate and not to exasperate. Look at this, Colossians 3.21. Again, Paul, such wisdom all the time. But he's speaking here to the, to the church and he basically says, Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. They're going to become discouraged. Kobe needs to know that he can come to me and it's, it's, it's safe to approach me. He needs to come to me confidently knowing that I'm not going to have him feel discouraged when he leaves. And that's, a, that's, a, that's thin ice. That's a fragile thing. I only need to break it once and he's going to be a little bit guarded the next time he comes to me. I want, an, I want him to be able to share his heart with me. I don't expect him to all the time. I understand he won't. Kids won't all the time. But I can guarantee you, if I frustrate him, I exasperate him, I annoy him, I upset him, I discourage him, I can guarantee he will never come to me. So we need to be encouraging and not exasperating. Do not aggravate your children deliberately. I have a few pet peeves. One of them is that. When I see adults belittling kids, I want to become unsaved. It's wrong. It's wrong. Don't do it. Not even in jest. Not even, in, not even jokingly. Because those things carry weight. They carry weight. Let me tell you, I remember one conversation that I had with my dad when I was 14 years of age. And I'm not going to give you the details, but I can tell you exactly. That is 34 years ago. I can tell you the room of the house I was in, the clothes I was wearing, the food I'd just eaten. I can describe the smell in the room. And I can tell you every single word. He broke me. He broke me. And you know, he doesn't even know. But we have that ability. It's a fragile thing that we have, our relationship with our kids. It's our job to be emotionally in control. Emotionally in control. If you find yourself being emotionally out of control, stop talking. Stop the conversation. Move away. Get out of it. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for feeling emotionally out of control. You're a human being. 
I'm not condoning you being emotionally out of control, but I'm telling you, you're going to be occasionally out of control. You need zero collateral damage when you are emotionally out of control. You need no pieces to pick up afterwards. If you sense that's the direction that you are going in, get away. However, again, that's going to look differently in, in your house. For me, it's quite simply this. I'd rather not talk about this right now. Let's just take a break and let's come back and say, I don't know, 30 minutes. And then if I'm still in that mode 30 minutes later, let's give it another hour. Because I want to do right by you. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not weak, that's strength. You need to be able to understand where it is that your flesh wants to take you. Always, in every situation, where does my flesh want to take me? It's very rare that the flesh wants to take you in the right direction. If you sense that your flesh is overtaking your spirit, then you need to back off and get into a place where your spirit is back in control again. Why? Because the spirit will never lead you wrong. Your flesh will almost always lead you in the wrong direction. Okay, ask yourself this question. How patient am I, really? How patient am I, really? Because you can tell me you're patient. I can tell you I'm patient. But how patient am I, really? It's easy to be patient when no one's testing your patience. Right? But when somebody's testing your patience, how long does it take you to get impatient? Don't subconsciously make your kids responsible for your own emotional well-being and happiness. Don't allow your kids to control your emotional well-being and happiness. Don't burden them with that. That's not their responsibility. It's yours. Your emotional well-being and your happiness is nobody else's responsibility. But it's particularly not your kids' responsibility. They have enough trouble finding out their own situation, their own own emotional well-being. They have no control over their own emotional well-being. You expect them as your as your child. You expect them to have their parents' emotional well-being on their shoulders as well. Don't do it to them. You shouldn't do it to anybody, but not your kids particularly. Okay, so understanding, you empathize, I know how you feel, and then you advise them and you do the best thing that you can do for that situation. I understand how you feel and see where you're coming from. Let's see how best we can actually help you to get through this. And that might just be sitting and listening to them, as I said, for five or ten minutes, okay? I, I've got to speed this up. Instruct, instruct. Not too much, but enough. Teaching God's commands is essential, all right? And we, ha- we should approach them this way. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says this. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. This is God's teachings, basically, is what it's talking about here. Now, this does not mean talk nonstop. It doesn't mean the only words out of your mouth are scriptures. In fact, if you are the only things out of your mouth are scriptures, you are way off base, and you are not going to do anything but harm. I'm not saying scriptures are bad, but nothing but scriptures, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. You have to interject. You have to, where it's applicable, obviously, teach God's way. This is what the scripture is meaning. It's meaning always be aware, always be alert, and wherever possible, give teaching to them in God's way. And you don't have to quote chapter and verse. If you're trying to teach your kids to give, you don't have to talk to them. You don't have to quote Luke 6.38. 
You don't have to fire a scripture at them, but you just say, look, you know, it's a, it's a godly way to be, to give. It's a, as a Christian, you know, we, we, we should be looking to give to people, help people, to, you know, help people out in any situation. So you see what I'm saying? You are giving godly principle, but you're not beating them over the head with a Bible. Okay? So do that. A parent is the most important teacher a child can have. Let me say that again. A parent is the most important teacher a child can have. School teachers and pastors should supplement a parent's teaching, not replace it. My job is not to teach your kids godly ways. My job is to support you as you teach your kids godly ways. My role as a pastor is to equip. It's not to do a parent's job. Now, Trust me, if I need to step in and do a parent's job, I will do the very best I can do. I'm not going to shirk any of that responsibility. But what I am saying to you is it shouldn't start off that way. You shouldn't be bringing them to church in order that they're taught godly principles and then take them home to a a home that looks like hell. We should be here to help you and equip you and teach you how you can equip and teach your children. Teaching two main areas. We need to anchor our kids in God's saving truths. So what it is about God, that God's saving truths, God's aspects, and secondly, train them in how to behave wisely in daily living. They go hand in hand. God's ways are the right ways, always. Yes? So we're teaching them in that, in that fashion. But we've got to teach them in the day-to-day practicalities as well. Like I said, you're not beating them over the head every day with only godly principles. They have to survive in the world. They have to survive on a day-to-day basis. Okay, it's no, it's no use if your six-year-old kid can quote the whole of the, you know, the book of Matthew but not put his own pants on. Right? You need to be teaching daily practical things. You need to parent, but interject in there godly things as well. Teach wise. Why do we do it? Why are we doing this? Why do, why do you need to do it that way? Why do you need to do it that way? That's easy because it just means that you get to answer the 73 questions of why before 9 o'clock in the morning from your children. Why? 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 Teach them wise. Don't just say because I said so. Until maybe the 71st or 72nd time. Okay, so remember this. When you're teaching, even when you don't know that you are teaching. You are teaching even when you don't know you are teaching. You are teaching even when you don't know you are teaching. Your kids are watching and listening and hearing and seeing everything. Even when you don't think they're watching, they are watching. I mean, there's an old adage that says that a mother has eyes in the back of her head. If that's the case, then I can tell you my three-year-old has four sets of eyes in the back of his. They are watching absolutely everything, and they are hearing everything. Continually ask God for wisdom in guiding and teaching your kids. You should be the best and most effective teacher in your child's life. D, discipline. Confront, correct, comfort. Discipline, wrongdoing. Not everything that irritates. There is a massive difference. Your kids are going to do a lot of stuff that irritates you, but it's not necessarily wrong. It's just irritating to you. If your kids are going around the house and they're singing some song, some Disney song for the 412th time, It's irritating. But don't punish them for that. Okay? Put a different Disney song on. (laughs) Whatever it is that you... 
Just distract. But don't punish them for that. Don't yell at them for singing. Do you know, you know, you see what I'm saying? Now, if they are, you know, singing, singing a Disney song for the 448th time whilst they're beating the cat, then you obviously stop them from beating the cat, unless you don't like cats. But you, but you see what I'm saying? If they're doing something wrong, confront them about what's going on wrong. What's irritating to you is not necessarily wrong. There's also a difference between disobedience and childish lack of judgment. If, somebody, if your kid does something wrong, don't punish them if they didn't know better. If they did not know, because kids are going to do stuff because they don't know better. They're going to do things because they haven't learned yet what right is and what wrong is in that situation. It's not being disobedient if they didn't know that it's wrong to do. So you can't punish them for it. Now, if you have educated them on what is right and what is wrong several times over, they understand what it is that's wrong, they understand that you've told them not to do it because it's wrong, and then they do it, then that's disobedience. That's not lack of wisdom. That is disobedience. Now, disciplining is never fun, but it's essential, and it's a responsibility that we have as parents. We must discipline our children. Hebrews 12, 11 tells us this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline involves boundaries and instructions, not just punishment. Discipline does not mean punishment. Punishment is part of discipline. But that should be the last resort, and it shouldn't happen very often. Because if we put the right boundaries in place, we've explained those boundaries. Don't do this. We don't want you to do this because this is why we don't want you to do this. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. Okay? So you're setting boundaries in place. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Applies to mothers as well. From the Lord. So again, we need to be guided by him as to the best ways that we can actually discipline our children. Here's four ways to approach discipline. Four quick ways. Create rules that are clear and fair. Your kids don't know they're breaking a rule if you've never told them the rule. They, they need boundaries. If you want your kids back, your older kids back, you want them back in the house by 11 o'clock, you tell them there's a curfew. You're to be back in this house by 11 o'clock at night. No exceptions. 11 o'clock is your curfew. What time do you need to be home? 11 o'clock. That's right, 11 o'clock. If you are not back by 11 o'clock, you will not be getting in this house because I will lock and bolt every door. So if you are planning on leaving and not coming back by 11, make sure there's a sleeping bag in the garden. And so you're setting out boundaries. Okay, you're letting them know what the actual thing is. Now, if they turn up at 11.15 and in your head you wanted them back by 11 but you never expressed it, then you cannot do anything. You are wrong to say anything to them. You can't punish them for something that they didn't know was wrong. When they do something which is wrong, when they cross over, when they are disobedient, when you've given them instruction and they blatantly come against it, you confront and you correct without anger. Without anger. Hang on a second, so they've been disobedient and I'm not supposed to be angry. That's exactly right, because they're going to be disobedient. Why? Because they are children. And every now and again, they will test and they will push the boundaries. But if you have the boundaries in place and you have explained what will happen, if they break that boundary, then there's no need to be angry. 
Because all you have to do is to do what it is that you said that you would do if they broke that boundary. And that's the tricky part. Because if you say, I'm going to do this, if you do this, you better do what it is that you said. And if you don't think you're going to follow through, don't say you're going to do it in the first place. Don't be saying you're going to be locking and bolting the door if you are not going to lock and bolt the door. Okay? And if you set the boundaries right and you explain what's going to happen, there's no reason to be angry. Because you made it quite clear what was going to happen. If that happens in my house, if there's, if there's a rule broken, you know what I do? I have the, the rule break. I, I have Kobe or Scotty, because it was mostly Scotty. So I would, have, I would say to Scotty, okay, what time did he get home? 11.15. What time are you supposed to be home? 11 o'clock. What's going to happen if, I'm not, if you're not home by 11? This is going to happen. Okay, so you know what I'm going to do now? Yes, and I'll do it. And that's it. End of conversation. How was your night? Up until 11 o'clock. Okay? So then, as I said, you've set out what it is that's going to happen, and you follow through and you do it. Enact consequences when necessary. Reward obedience and reaffirm love, reaffirm love no matter what. I'm doing this because I love you, Scotty. I'm doing this because I love you, Kobe. It's important that you understand the difference between right and wrong and the fact that you can't deliberately do wrong. Because right now, yes, you're grounded for a year, <laughs> but that's a whole lot better than being put in jail. Yes, I'm taking the car keys off of you for a month. But that's a whole lot better than you being in a, in, in a wreck. Okay, so you, again, you reward, but you reward obedience. You set, the, you set the, the boundaries. And if they are obedient within those boundaries for a consistent length of time, you know what? Sit down and review the boundaries. If your curfew is 9.30 and they've always been in at 9.29 without fail for six months and they're old enough and you trust them enough, then move the boundary to 10. I'll guarantee you this. They will never be late. Once you've moved the boundary because they, would, they did right. You tell them you've done well, therefore I'm going to reward you. What are they encouraged to do? Do well again. Do well again. So we need to encourage them and reward them for doing right. E, encourage. Don't let them lose heart. We need to equip them to succeed and not lose heart. We have to encourage Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I want you to ask yourself this question. How often have you encouraged your kids in the last two weeks? How often have you encouraged your kids in the last two weeks? I can tell you, and I'm not doing this to brag or anything like that. I'm telling you, these are things and principles that I've learned. And so I'm applying in my life. I can tell you this. I encourage everybody in my house every single day. My wife Kobe and Elijah, every single day, always more than once, every day, I encourage them in something. Now, I have, I've, I've been blessed with a gift of encouragement. That's what I do. It comes naturally to me. I enjoy doing it. But let me tell you, there are some days where it's not easy if Kobe has not been the best. But I will always encourage, encourage. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. This is never truer than when you are talking about a parent's tongue to their child. That's never truer than in that situation. Your tongue will have your child bloom and blossom and grow, or you will kill them. And again, I can tell you that conversation when I was 14 years of age entirely transformed me, my relationship with my dad, my relationship with myself, One conversation is all it takes 
okay? Encourage who they are and what they do. Encourage who and what they want to become. What they want to become. Not what you want them to become. Do not live vicariously through your children. If you are a cheerleader and you want your daughter to be a cheerleader and she doesn't want to be a cheerleader, don't make her be a cheerleader. Even worse still, if you were never a cheerleader and you want your daughter to be a cheerleader because you never got to be a cheerleader, then don't make your daughter be a cheerleader. Okay, that's just an example for you. But don't live your life vicariously through. Encourage them in what it is that they want to do. Be aware that they'll want to do something different every six months. Encourage them in it anyway, because it may be, who are you to stop them from growing and building on a God-given talent? Who are you? Yes, you're the parent, but I doesn't, I'm not going to, I do not want to be stood in front of God on my judgment day and him say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant, however, I don't want a but, I don't want him to say you did all right and all of that, but you know, Kobe was supposed to be this, but you stopped him. I don't want that. That's, that's obviously not going to happen. God's not going to necessarily talk in those. How, how, what do I know? Maybe it will. Sorry, Lord. Okay, so encourage. Last one on the guides, S, supplicate. What does that mean? It means pray. Pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. I'm so over time, and I do apologize for this. Okay, you pray with confidence that God listens to us and speaks to them. Pray with confidence that God listens to us. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There are some scriptures which are sometimes taken out of context. There are some scriptures which apply in certain circumstances and don't apply in others. This scripture is not one of them. This scripture applies in every single area of your life. And let me tell you, read that as a parent. Apply it as a parent. Think about that as a parent. I'm a parent. What do I need to do? I don't need to worry about being a parent. I don't want to need to worry about anything to do with my child. I need to pray about it. Pray about everything. I need to tell God what it is that I need. I need to thank him for the opportunity that I have to be a parent. Thank him for my kids. And then I'm going to experience a peace in my parenting. A peace in my relationship with my children. A peace in my home that goes above and beyond anything that I can explain. How wonderful is that? But it only applies if I do what? If I pray about everything and if I worry about nothing. We need that peace. You need that peace. You need that peace in your life. You need that peace in your relationship with your kids. You need that peace in your home. We need that peace in our families. We need that peace in our church. We need that peace in our communities. And it starts with prayer, being prayerful and applying what it is that God wants us to in our lives. I've got a load more, but I'm stopping. So hopefully that's been of some use to you. Those guides, those guides, apply these things in your life and it will make a difference. Pull one last thing. Be an example. Be an example. I'm not saying be perfect for your kids. But your kids will do what you do. They will say what you say. They will believe what you believe. They will listen to what it is that you teach, at least up until a certain point in their lives. I can't pour perfectness into Elijah. But I can create an environment that he can grow up safe and secure and loved in. So if you take nothing else from tonight, 
just remember what we spoke about. Your responsibility is to love your children. To love your children. Whatever it is that they're done, whatever it is that they're doing, you love your children. Why? Because they need it. They need it. I don't know what your childhood was like. My child was not a bad childhood. It was, it was a good childhood. I was not abused. I, was, I, I had a good childhood. But I remember that one conversation when I was 14 years of age. And it shaped things in my life. It shaped choices in my life, decisions in my life. It shaped them. But I'll tell you what it did more than anything else. I went to bed that night, and this is no lie, and I'm not saying it for dramatic effect. I went to bed that night, and I vowed that I would not be like him when I was a parent. And I can assure you, three and a half years into Elijah's life, I've never said one discouraging word to him. And my prayer is I never will. Love your children. Love your children. They need it. You bow your heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you. We thank you that you are the ultimate Father, that you love us unconditionally. There is nothing that we can do that will stop us from being loved by you. We thank you for that model, for that example, Lord God. And I pray over every parent here, everybody who has, has contact with children, every uncle, every aunt, every grandparent, I pray over them right now, and I pray that you would give them the strength and that you would give them the guidance, Lord. I pray that you would have, just make it easy for us to follow these guides, Lord God, that we would give, that we would understand, that, that we would just teach, we would impart, we would empathize, we would discipline where necessary, Lord God, where we would encourage and where we would hand everything to you in supplication, Lord God, that we would pray and worry about nothing. Help us as parents. You know we need it. We need your help, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, guys. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.